This is the Multiracial Identity Podcast. I'm Robert Cox. Welcome to the introduction for the Multiracial Identity Podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening in on what I'm planning is going to be an ongoing series of podcasts about everything multiracial, uh, the, the issues that the multiracial community is dealing with now and has dealt with in the past and will be dealing with in the future. You know, we share stories, share experiences, try to create a community is the idea. So, And it's, it's really important now because... A lot of people don't realize, and a lot of multiracial people don't realize, that uh, there are over 34 million of us in America now. And the multiracial population is expected to triple in the coming decades. So we're talking, you know, just in seven years, by 2030, we could be seeing 50 million multiracial people and 100 million multiracial people by 2060. So really, if you're a person that of with more than one racial heritage in America right now in 2023, you're a part of a, a really large community that is actually blowing up. And multiracial has been blowing up in the U.S. for a while now. And we'll be talking about what that means for our community, for the tens of millions of multiracial children on the way over the coming decades. I'll be bringing that up a lot. It, it, it's, it means a lot to me. It's important. And and also what it means for the multiracial, a truly multicultural America, our exploding population. And we'll get into some of that as well in future def- uh, episodes. But for right now, I think it's, it's important to recognize and talk about that even after a multiracial president, even after Obama, post-Obama, media figures, we're talking professional athletes, there's multiracial people are everywhere in a lot of places that you see. We know they're multiracial and don't necessarily talk about it much, but and and maybe as as a result too, we can still feel isolated as a multiracial person in America. And so whether it's in a lot of it can be not being accepted from the cultures from from where we come, like you know, hearing that you aren't black enough or you're not Chinese enough or you're not white enough even to fit in, that hurts. And then there's also the aspect of just filling out enough forms in your life or checking enough boxes on on surveys or that that say quote unquote other or some other race, or just not even finding yourself represented in the first place, that can cause a feeling of, of a feeling like an outsider. It, it makes sense. And even though we don't realize, and we can often not realize, that there are actually millions of us sharing those same experiences every day. Millions of multiracial people that go through that. And so those shared experiences and so much more make us a racial community a straight-up racial group. We don't seem to know that we're a community, and we don't. it doesn't seem to register still 
in these 34 million people in America, but that has to change now. And it has to change for the health of our multiracial children, and it has to change for the well-being of all of us, for the health of all of us. And, and the idea that we're an outsider and that feeling that we're an outsider, well, it's just not true as well and that we need to get that and understand that it's just not true that we're outsiders we've actually been a part of this country since its very beginning and we've always also all shared the multiracial identity so we'll get into what that means in future episodes as well but one thing i you know i thought it important to just talk about and clarify that when I talk about and when we talk about in this entire series of podcasts, when we say multiracial, when I'm talking about the multiracial identity, it, it's spelled with a capital M. And so to illustrate that, it would be when you're talking about like African American or Asian, for example, or Native American, all of those racial identities are capitalized for a reason. Multiracial with a lowercase m, for example, would be a racial category or a racial description of a person or even when you would say your multiracial heritage, which I'm very proud of my multiracial heritage, but multiracial with a capital M describes a racial identity. And so, well, what is that? What, what is the multiracial identity? And well, I can tell you what it means to me, and I think, and I'm sure, and I know that it means that that also means the, the same to a lot of multiracial people, whether they've talked about it with family and loved ones or other multiracial people, because it's pretty straightforward. It's the acceptance of all your racial heritages as a part of you, and and that can be tough, and that. You can get a lot of pressure. You can get a lot of pressure from some of the the heritage from which you come to not identify as multiracial. It can, can be confusing and tough to have family from different races. There's horror stories you can see, you can read. And then there's also amazing stories of love and acceptance as well. So that can be cut either way. And that's also part of the multiracial experience. And it's also part of the multiracial identity. So, and it also means that the multiracial identity is going to mean different things to different people, to different multiracial people. And, and, and I'd love to talk about that on this podcast, what it, what it means to you and what it means to me and, uh, and other people. But over all of that, we have to understand and recognize that we are all still a racial group, what you call a cohesive racial group. And like uh, my examples are always like just like African-American or Asian or Native American. And, and that's the, the, the good example, like, like African-American people. They will always have a different opinion of what it means to be African American, and they, you know, and and that's great, and that's healthy, and they may debate about it, and they may fight about it, and whatever. But over everything, and they are still a cohesive racial group: the African American, Black, or African American racial group, and that's the thing. For multiracial people, regardless of our different racial backgrounds. Many, many multiracial people share the same experiences, really, from birth to death. And just beyond that, as kids, there, there's plenty of research that's been done over the past 40 years, in four decades, that have shown that multiracial kids just come up differently. We have a different experience as children, 
and it's not better necessarily or worse than other people and it's not the the tragic mulatto thing uh, that uh, can get trotted out often it's but it's different and of course it's going to be different when you think about it because just from very very young age as you start developing your racial identity we're trying to integrate we're trying to put bring together different racial heritages that involve different family members and different people in our lives and different and it can be tough I mean, and it's true too that unfortunately not all multiracial people have access to all of their multiracial heritages but and like for example my wife and i have been lucky enough to have access to a lot of our multiracial heritage in different aspects and and we've been lucky that way but not not all multiracial people are so and, and but it, but it's also important to realize that even if you can't be directly connected to it it's still yours as a multiracial person it's still a part of you that you know part african american part or chinese part or native american part it's yours it's it's called your multiracial heritage and and it's it's important to realize that for plenty of multiracial people even some multiracial people that don't realize it it's absolutely key to our happiness to be able to integrate those heritages those multiracial as much as possible as much as humanly possible because and, and you know and like I said, for some multiracial people it's not an issue and they don't care and they just go and they truck through life and that's great and great for them for a lot of the rest of us that's it's a different story and integrating your multiracial heritages can be an, an important aspect of becoming an adult so and then there's a whole nother dimension to this and that we will be talking about a lot in the future because it involves advocacy and something that I've gotten into involved in recently as well. So, and that is the fact that that multiracial identity that I've just been talking about, I think a lot of multiracial people can identify with and would agree with and say, oh yeah, that is part of me, that is me. It is not recognized by the United States government. And like my examples, not for example, like African-American, Asian, or the white racial identities are among a couple others. And I, just it's not recognized and i wanted to make sure that i start talking about all of this stuff right off because this is one of the main reasons why i started this podcast i am a multiracial man and my multiracial heritage is african-american and white but the government doesn't recognize me as such like that to the government well there could be you know a couple different things that to the government i am uh, I'm a person who chose two races or more on the census, on the U.S. census. Or or the, the acronym, the cutesy little acronym for that one is TOMER, T-O-M-R, two, race, two, two or more races. Or MOOMS, and we'll be talking about this later with the guests in, in episode one, but MOOMS, M-O-O-M-S, mark, marks one or more. Or my favorite, which is combination people. Which isn't so insulting. It's weird, but you know, you envision these basically statisticians, these bureaucrats sitting around talking about this segment of the population that's blowing up, that's multiracial, that reports as multiracial, and using these acronyms. And 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 so, what's in a name? I mean, 
well, like my guests will say, Susan Graham, who's going to be my guest in, in my very first episode coming up in, the, in episode one, she's called for, and I completely agreed when the first time I ever heard it, and this is, quote, her, respectful, dignified, and appropriate terminology for my racial identity. And I would say there's a hell of a lot of in a name, actually. And just ask an African-American person. I'm very proud to say part of my, Af my multiracial heritage is African-American. And so, and that's, that's also one of the reasons why I have been so bummed to, to see the right, you know, the persistence of the, of the, the term mixed, you know, at the very least in public and in the documentaries and this recent W. Kamal Bell documentary where they used mixed a lot. And it's like, basically what I could say is, look, I make no, I've never made any secret that I'm not a fan of the term mixed when you're referring to me or other multiracial people, but, and that it's important to keep in mind why? For me, it's always smacked from the outside, like the term colored. An African-American ditched colored a long time ago, and for good reason. And so, internally, it's it's a different story, and we'll always call ourselves something internally. And I've always joked, when you see my my uh, my kid pictures, my children's pictures, or, or you know, from when I was five and six and ten, and you know, I posted a lot of those pictures, many of them on Instagram and on Facebook. On Instagram, it's under the the uh, the nickname the it's no one drop N O the number one drop, and you can see a ton of my pictures from when I was a kid, and I would say. Oh, look at this cute little mixy baby. What a, what a cute little mixy baby I was. It's something, it's a term I didn't use. And yeah, it's something we use internally and we say about. But this, what I'm talking about here and what we will be talking about here is about what the United States government calls us and what our doctors and, and our bosses get to call us and what the schools we go to get to call us. Mixed American just isn't going to get it. And neither is Tomer. And neither is combination people is kind of not too bad as it sounds. The government not recognizing multiracial with a capital M and basically refusing to do it now to recognize us as a multiracial identity has all kinds of serious and messed up consequences that we need to be talking about as a community and then we need to be advocating against later or now basically. But I mean, at, as we talk more about this advocacy has to be next and and it's, it's a lot of different reasons too recent high profile instances of racism against interracial couples and multiracial kids and it particularly has really highlighted another important aspect of this as well and it's something that often gets missed even by other people of color and that is that every single multiracial person Every third, every one of the 34 million of us is multiracial. That's multiracial are people of color. And as a result, we're entitled to the same protections and support as any other officially recognized group and person, people of color. And we, but we don't often get that. And historically groups and agencies that are there to serve and protect other groups of, of color and people of color aren't there for us necessarily or don't even see us. 
And so that's one of the goals of the Multiracial Identity Podcast. And that's to start a conversation among the multiracial community, among the people who love us, and anyone else who's interested in a multicultural future for America, because it's what we're going to be talking about. And to, to, to start discussing all of this and, and thinking about it. Because, like I said, you know, I have to admit that I hadn't really thought about a lot of this until just a few years ago. And I know I'm not alone on that. And I know I'm not alone on that with interracial couples who have multiracial children. Because they're just not in that place to be thinking about this kind of, these kind of racial politics. But it's something that we need to be thinking about as a multiracial community as we go into the future, as we go towards that 100 million people in 40 years. And so, and it's weird because I've always insisted that I was biracial. And I, I, I even resorted to using the word mulatto to refer to myself when I was like nine or 10. And my aunt and, and my mom, they, they pointed out that, hey, that's a, a slave era throwback slur and you don't you know, need to be using it. And just a recent example of Lotto, the rapper Lotto, she tried to go by mulatto. It showed there's no reclaiming those old racist slurs, you know, but, but what it did it always emphasize to me was that I always identified with both my races. I always had the multiracial identity with a capital M in mind, even though it wasn't something that was ever spoken directly to me. I mean, there were multiracial identity development models that had been coming up through the years in the 80s and when I was thinking about this stuff, but it was all still new. You know, so maybe that's also why, and I know that's also why, that there's why many multiracial people have never really thought about advocating for this kind of stuff and advocating for myself or advocating for my nieces, my multiracial nieces and nephews. And, and it, it just never really seemed like an, an option. It never seemed like something that you, that we should do, but why, why would you advocate for a racial identity that technically doesn't exist, but we do exist and we're here and we're not going anywhere and we're blowing up and that there has been actually somebody that's been fighting for us all this time it turns out and and that's important and and we need to discuss that because they're called project race and basically without them and their allies we wouldn't have been able to choose two races or more on the 2000 census and Basically, that ended 70 years of being erased because the last time multiracial people were counted and uh, in, in, that, in a U.S. census was 1930. So it was a huge victory. But whether that's the thing, whether we're erased or whether we're being erased or whether we're being appropriated or whether we're just simply not included in the list that you see as a multiracial person, you see that so often. It doesn't matter anymore. Okay, all that matters are those numbers that I mentioned at the top of this. 34 million multiracial people, 100 million multiracial people by 2060. Any one of them, if you think about the 34 million people, multiracial people in the country right now, living right now, any one of them could be listening or hearing the term, the slur, basically, what are you, thrown at him, 
right at this moment, if you think about it. Every, I think a lot of multiracial people have heard it. It's not, not, not the curious inquiry as to what your racial heritage is, but the, what are you? I heard it in the South. And right now, if you think of it, any number of the 34 million multiracial people could be hearing, well, you're not black enough, or you're not Ch Chinese enough, or you just don't fit in because you're not Native American enough, or we've, many of us have heard that too. We're not alone on that. And then there's just always that ongoing thing where somebody is checking the other box right now because they had no other choice. It's some form, it's some survey, it's some school uh, uh, enrollment thing. It's, it's, it's everywhere now in a lot of ways. And we, we're all, we all it's, it's a common experience. So when we realize that we are the multiracial community with a capital M, then millions of multiracial people, multiracial children, and we can realize that we aren't alone. And we aren't the quote-unquote other. We're not some other race. We're not outsiders. We're not the bunch of tragic mulattoes. And we'll get in and we'll mention that along the way too. It's this tired, it's a racist old stereotype basically that people with their multiracial people, especially from the past, just have nowhere to fit in. And so they're so just so tragic and so, so uh, poorly adjusted and oh, aren't they just so terrible. And it's just a way for mono race people to look down on multiracial people and have tried to use it as such. But we're not doing that anymore. You know, that's, that's gone. All the rest of that BS is gone. I'm personally tired of hearing it, and I'm sure a lot of multiracial other people are tired of those implications, those insinuations. Sometimes maybe it's from family. It's, it's from the outside. It, we're done with that. Because you factor in all the people from all the different races that do love us, and you factor in those loved ones that are our loved ones and our family and our multiracial heritage. And then you factor in all the multiracial people that exist now in the country. That is a lot. That is a large segment of the population. And, and it just says straight out, we're not alone by a long shot in this. And so when I say, I say, I'm a multiracial American and my multiracial heritage is African-American and white. And that's how I answer now when somebody feels a need to inquire about my racial background. That's my racial, that's my multiracial identity. So what's yours? After, after at every episode, I'll be posting links with more information on the subjects that we're talking about on, uh, on, uh, agencies and on groups that can help on project race allies and project race themselves that will be involved in this and there are plenty of other and there'll be plenty of ways on social media and others for you guys to talk back and for you guys to join the conversation share stories that's how we build a community and so be sure and join me for episode one of the Multiracial Identity Podcast. My guest will be Susan Graham of the Multiracial Rights Advocacy Group, Project Race. And we will be talking about the early days of the multiracial rights movement in America. So I appreciate you listening and I look forward to you joining me again. Thanks. Thanks.